Stones, they feature prominently in today's scripture readings. Take 1 Peter 2 verses 4 and 5, for example, which says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. As we come to Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, so too are we, living stones being built up as a spiritual house. That's a familiar pattern in the New Testament. As Jesus is, so too shall we be. In Romans 6, for example, we learn that we are buried with Christ by baptism into death in order that, as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For, says the Apostle Paul in verse 5, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Another place we hear the pattern of, as Jesus is, so we are too, or so we shall be, is in John chapter 8 and 9, where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then, in Matthew 5, he tells his disciples, you are the light of the world. Today we hear from Peter that Jesus is a living stone, and so are we. Rejected by men, yet chosen and precious, and so are we. A cornerstone, chosen and precious, and we, living stones, being built up as a spiritual house. Why? To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. As we sang in our opening hymn, Christ is made the sure foundation, and built on that foundation, we are living stones being built up by God into a spiritual house, a place for his own habitation. As many of you know, I like to hike. A few years ago, hiking in the North Cascade Mountains of Washington State, I made this profound observation. When granite meets soft tissue, granite always wins. That was my way of saying, this hurts because these rocks are a lot more solid than I am. They were in the way, but since they were way too big for me to move, they compelled me to change course or to get hurt. They became for me stones of stumbling and rocks of offense, which is exactly what we hear Jesus called in 1 Peter 2, verses 7 and 8. In this passage, Jesus, who must have been so used to walking long distances over rocks, is himself likened to a rock, so solid that those who attempt to walk past or over it end up stumbling. 
Jesus offends us with his high expectations, with his forgiveness of sinners, and with his challenging words. If we don't trust him, we will stumble over him. He will skin our knees, wound our pride, and reveal our sinful nature. But if we are joined to him in baptism, built on that solid rock, he is the solid rock on which we stand. As the hymn says, all other ground is sinking sand. Founded on Christ as living stones, God builds us sinners up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And what a privilege that is for God to take stubborn, stony people like us and to set us on Christ and dwell among us, not judging us according to our faults, but according to the righteousness of the chief cornerstone, Christ himself. God builds us up to be his royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. For once we were not a people, but now we are God's people. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. These are the very same words that we hear in Peter that Israel heard from the prophet Hosea in chapters 1 and 2 of that book. And that the Apostle Paul echoes to the Christians in Rome in Romans 9 verses 25 and 26. And Paul would have felt that conversion from not God's people to God's people, from not having received mercy to having received mercy. Because, of course, Paul was present among those at the stoning of Stephen, of which we heard in our first lesson from Acts chapter 7. And Acts 8 verse 1 adds simply, And Saul approved of his execution. Saul, whom we know better as the Apostle Paul, was as good as being one of those stones hurled at Stephen to kill him. Thinking that he was doing the right thing, he was in fact an enemy of God. And it was the stony heart of this man that God most improbably chose to change. It was this sinner, this enemy, that God used to build his church among Gentiles like us. God's grace and mercy surely knows no bounds. If they extended to Paul after all that he had done to harm the church, they can certainly reach us despite our sin. And that's because God's kingdom is not built on our righteousness, but on the righteousness that we've received from God in Jesus Christ. Jesus says in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no way that we can reconcile ourselves to God or qualify ourselves for his kingdom. Only Jesus can do that. 
We need the same grace and mercy from God that the Apostle Paul received on the Damascus Road, which God gives to us through his word and sacraments. By them, God gives us Christ and his righteousness. By them, God gives us the gift of faith. By them, God turns us from stones to be cleared from his field into living stones that he builds into a spiritual house in which he dwells. Last week in John chapter 10, we heard Jesus say, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Too often, we try to find a way around Jesus and create substitutes to follow instead of him. And that's why we're here today for God to remind us that there are no substitutes for Jesus. There are no other ways into his kingdom. Not our good behavior, not our alignment with the right political movements, not our productivity at work, not our patience with our kids, not the time and money that we've given to charity, not the excellence of our taste in food or music, not our virtuosity in recycling, carbon capture, or composting. There is real value in those things, well worth pursuing. But no amount of pursuit can reconcile us to God. Only by faith in Christ can we obtain that, which is good news for sinners like us, nice sinners, polite sinners, conscientious sinners, compassionate sinners, sinners who excel at chess and tennis, Sinners who work hard and do well, but sinners all the same. For us sinners, God's mercy abounds in Jesus Christ, who turns us from stones dead in sin into living stones, so that grounded in and founded on him, we might receive God's mercy and be called his people. Thanks be to God.